Welcome back to Feel the Heat. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Man, those games, man, Saturday was great. Penn State, Minnesota, I caught it. Minnesota by seven. Both me and Webb called the LSU-Alabama game. Very good, entertaining weekend. We're up for another one this coming weekend. Monday Night Football ended off phenomenal as well. Russell Wilson getting MVP champs at the 49ers arena. It don't get no better than that. Plus the W, man. Coming up next, me and we're about to get into the recaps of the games. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Send in those questions at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat or on our Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW or on the website bymsports.com. Talk to you soon. All right, guys, Webb has just tapped in. Welcome, Webb. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing better than you. I know you guys got, what, five, six inches of snow last night? Oh, no, we got more than that. We got around 10. Oh, no. Mm-mm. And it's I know snowed. it's cold. <laughs> it snowed for like 30 continuous hours. No way. It snowed all night and into the day. Yo, I don't miss that. But uh, nonetheless, guys, Webb is here. We're going to go ahead and jump into the show today. Remember, you can reach us on our social sites, with which I mentioned earlier today. Also, remember that we're going to back up our taste with the facts and numbers. Everyone has an opinion, but we always back it up with the facts. And always remember, like Webb says, the numbers don't always tell the whole story. So let's get into it. Number five, Penn State. Versus number 13, Minnesota, who is currently ranked number seven right now. My key takeaway from this was P.J. Fleck. He outcoached Penn State. His key players, Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman, outplayed the key players of Penn State. Tanner Morgan had three touchdowns, no turnovers. Rashad Bateman had seven. He was seven to seven. Um, seven targets, seven receptions, 203 yards, and a touchdown. The defense for Minnesota created three turnovers. So just Minnesota outplayed Penn State all around. Penn State did make a push for it at the end. But what we've seen was somewhat of a dominant game from Minnesota. What do you think about that, Webb? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm really surprised Minnesota won this game. But I'm not. But I agree with what you said. Uh, P.J. Fleck outcoached Penn State. And I agree with that. But at the same time, what I was seeing was Minnesota, they just – they didn't take any plays off and they really let Penn State have it. Their DBs were getting beat on passes. They could have, they really could have made a play on, I feel like, or just simply getting beat altogether. Sean Clifford was little help. Three interceptions to his one touchdown, including the game tying pass, which was picked off in the end zone with one minute left. Um, KJ Hamler, Fryer moved both seven receptions and over 100 yards receiving, but the rushing game by Penn State was their biggest threat to me in this game. I mean, Journey Brown, Fort, uh, yeah, Journey Brown, 124 yards rushing, two touchdowns. The, Minipro- the Minnesota protection that I talked about in the last episode was good, and they only gave up one sack. 
But like you said, on the flip side, everything was going right for Tanner Morgan. Three touchdowns. I'm not, but like I said, I'm I'm surprised because I really thought just off analytics and strength of schedule, I thought Penn State was going to win this game. They had the seventh hardest schedule in the nation. I'm, I was wrong. So with that being said, let me ask you this. Um, you said they had a seventh hardest schedule in the nation. Do you think that really makes a difference when it comes to preparation and predictions to winning games? Yes, I think it's I think this year especially shows that schedule is more important. Strength of schedule is more important than what people think. Alabama is probably going to miss the college football playoffs be, and their strength of schedule is going to be the thing that keeps them out. I mean, if they would have had better teams to play against to make their case a little stronger, you know what I'm saying? Like LSU beat Florida and so on. They have four top 10 wins. Yeah. So strength of schedule matters. I, t- I totally agree with strength of schedule matters as far as college football uh, playoff goals. And, and then your, your prediction of what the analysis are going to say if you're going to win the game uh, or not. Here's another question. If Minnesota wins the remainder of their games and the Big Ten championship, is their resume enough to get them a college football playoff berth? No. And I don't and I say that specifically because of strength of schedule. Okay. I, I don't see why I wouldn't, because you think about this. You're Minnesota you wasn't ranked in the preseason. You wasn't ranked during the season until you started winning some games. Um you went in, you beat a hot Penn State, who was number five. Then you go in and hypothetically you say you beat Ohio State, who is, you know, I, I believe number two in uh, number one in the college football playoffs and number one in the AP and coaches poll. So you go in and beat these teams and that resume with two top 10 wins is not good enough to get you in the college championship playoffs. I mean, I guess it would depend on how Clemson does. Um, a couple of teams ahead of them, how, how else they perform in order for them to get into it. They would actually need like one or two more teams to lose another game, and they would have to beat Ohio State to get into the playoffs. And I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I mean, I get it, Penn State, but Ohio State is on another level than I think both these teams. Yeah, I agree. But impossible is nothing in sports. And we'll see if Minnesota can get to that um, Big Ten championship and match up against Ohio State, who looks like they're going to run away with it on that side. So uh, moving forward, we got number one, LSU uh, versus number two, previously anyways, number two, Alabama. And I would just say LSU was dominant from the start of the game. They forced two out of the pocket and made him run on the ankle. He didn't practice a full practice in 20 days after he had surgery made him uncomfortable, made him throw difficult passes. Uh, Joe Burrow and the playmakers for LSU went to Alabama and handled business as they should have. Um, I was really impressed. I did call that game. I think you picked LSU as well. Yeah, I did. And, uh, yeah, that's what I saw. I mean, what about you? This game showed me that LSU is exactly what I said they were before. Before they were even ranked number two. Maybe around, I think they were ranked number seven or number eight. 
but I said they were the team, the lowest ranked team at the time that I thought could beat Alabama when people were still talking about Clemson and Alabama. My problem with Alabama isn't the personnel. They have talent. Although diluted by injury on their defense, they have ta- they have the talent to make plays, to stay in games like this. I mean, we've seen the return kick by Waddle, the uh, the punt PAT, you know, the, uh, the strip uh, sack on Burrow by uh, McKinney early in the second quarter. But their execution to me, Alabama, Alabama's execution to me sometimes is suspect. I mean, Tua's fumble on his scramble, that was bad. The interception... Their, def- their defense is suspect and it has holes. Their execution at this point is vulnerable, at least against LSU and, o- and Ohio State, at least as far as like the top three. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where it's like the most competitive at. But right. They can't stop Edwards Hilaire Jr., who rushed for three touchdowns. Well, he rushed for two touchdowns and he caught one touchdown. He rushed for 100 yard, over 100 yards. They can't stop Jamar Chase, seven receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown. But Alabama just, I don't i don't think they can stop LSU. Oh, yeah, that was proven already. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was really surprised. I'll say this and we'll move forward to the next question from Big Heck. But I was really surprised to see that fumble um, by two on his scramble in the, in the red zone. And it looked like, you know, when you're nursing an ankle injury and you're recovering and coming back for that, he was getting ready to brace for a hit. And I think maybe somewhere in his mind, he's like, you know, trying to protect the ball, brace for the hit, protect his ankle and all that stuff. And he just fumbled it. So it was very surprising to see the small little mishaps that Tua had that we have not seen him, um, you know, seen that side of him very often during his career at Alabama. All right, Big Hex question is, do we think Rich Rodriguez, who is currently the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, uh, is he a good candidate for the head coach position at FSU? And so I will say this, um, he is known as a pioneer of the spread offense. I think FSU has a really good athletes on their roster who could benefit from that type of offense. As well, keep in mind that this is a guy who turned around West Virginia's football program in the early 2000s to the mid-2000s before he left there. Um, He had them ranked as high as number one in 2007. So my answer is yes. Uh, Rich Rodriguez has proven that he is a good coach and he could could be a good candidate there, but I think that FSU is still leaning towards um, signing Deion Sanders. What about you? Um, Yeah, Rich Rod, he's got a winning record. I believe it's like one... 60-something to, like, one, the low 120s, something like that. I mean, I might be, give or take a, a 10 or two. But I think they should stick with, go with Deion Sanders because, yeah, they might have, they might, they, I think they could be successful with, with Rich Rod. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he won't have any, he wouldn't have any success. But what I'm saying is, like, Deion Sanders, here, try this. In college football, talent matters. And I think Deion Sanders could get in any home in America. And I think he could garner a lot of attention. And I think if Florida State puts the right staff around him, I think Florida State could get 
the talent they need to be elite again. Yeah, that's fair. Because like you said, uh, Deion Sanders, who's not going to let Deion Sanders in their home or who's not going to want him at their games recruiting their sons to play football? So that's a, that's a very good take. Let's move forward. Player of the week, who do you have? My player of the week is Rashad Bateman uh, from Minnesota. Seven receptions, 203 yards with a touchdown. That was a good game. That was, a, you know, that was my pick, right? Was so it? it was my pick because he played so well. I really didn't see that uh, coming, but I'm going to give you another one. I had a couple here that I would have chosen from. Just give me one second. Pull it up. And I'm going to pick. You already know where I'm coming from. If you know me, you know who I'm picking. I'm going with Jaron Williams. 15 of 22 for the University of Miami. Okay. 253 yards passing, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Have a game. Have a game, young man. So that's my player of the week. Um, okay. Okay. Moving forward. College hoops. Top two top uh, 25. Two top 25 battles, excuse me, will be this week. We have Ohio State versus Villanova. Um, I'm going to pick Villanova for this game. Jay Wright, he, who is the head coach for Villanova, is a fantastic coach. Um, has been a fantastic coach for the last 18 years with them. He's a two-time national champion, and has, he's only missed the tournament twice during his 18-year stint with them. And this coming 2019 class, he has two five-star athletes and one four-star. And they're going to play up-tempo. They're going to play defense and be scrappy, and they're going to win. Uh, Ohio State, I believe, um, I don't even think they were in the, hot, the top 50 when I looked as far as the recruiting class coming into 2019. On the other hand, Seton Hall versus Michigan State. Um, Seton Hall, they don't have a really good team or a recruiting class. They're like number 121 in the nation. Michigan State has already declared themselves as top dogs, and they arguably have the best player in Big Ten basketball in Cassius Winston, who's going to play his heart out this season, as um, we have learned that his brother passed away to a suicide um, earlier this weekend on Saturday. So prayers out to Cassius Winston and their family and that loss. All right, so this is what's coming up next, guys. We got the NFL News. Ex-Lion wide receiver Charles Rogers passed away after battling cancer. Charles was the number two overall pick by the Lions in 2003. So our prayers and thoughts are definitely with his family as well. And, um, Webb, do you have any other news before we get into our questions? Um, bad news for the 49ers. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is out with a possible rib injury. And Tyler Lockett's out with a, which I can imagine, a pretty serious lower leg injury. By the way, Pete Carroll was talking. He said there was a lot of swelling. Um, that's, all, that's, all that comes to, that's all that comes to mind. Yeah, and um, I believe Minka Fitzpatrick for the Pittsburgh Steelers is also hurt as well. Um, hurt himself at the end of that game versus the Rams. All right, so here's a question that came in. Was the winner of the 49ers versus Seahawks game the determinant of who will win the NFC West? No. And no, it wasn't because I don't think the Seahawks will win it anyway. Just simply because 
I think the 49ers are a more well-rounded football team. Okay, but their um, part of it has hurt them is um, they haven't had really the receivers that they the receiving core that they need besides uh, Kittle, which he is hurt. What, what does he have? Concussion? No, he, he uh, has a leg. He, I think he has a knee injury, knee, ankle, something like that. Okay, so the thing with them is, let's just say that they go on and they lose uh, next week and Seattle goes on and wins. Now I think they're Seattle's behind by um, two games right now, if I'm not mistaken. But the win over them, being that they are in the same division, is really a good thing. And um, actually, the Seahawks are one game behind them. It's actually a good thing for the Seahawks because if the 49ers take another loss and the Seahawks win, um, they will be in first place. We that I mean, there's nobody else out the NFC West we could say that's going to win that division. I think it's just between the 49ers and Seahawks. Either way, one of them will be the winner of the division and one will be um, the wild card. All right, so here it is, fluke or real. The Vikings, are they a real team or are they fluke? I think they're a fluke. I think think they're a fluke. They're just so shaky. They have been all season. They were last season. I don't trust the I don't trust the Vikings. I just don't. Fair enough. I think they are one of those borderline teams. Right now, they're in a wild card race behind the Packers, who leads the NFC North. Um, I think if Adam Thielen comes back and is healthy, like if he would have sat out an extra game, he probably probably would be coming back this week um, to play. And then they have a bye week, week twelve. Um, so, you know, he would have had three weeks to heal up and that would have benefited them. But unfortunately, it has not. He tried to come back too early. So I think they're a borderline team. What about the Raiders? I don't know. Come back. Come back to me. What do you think? So this is another team that is also in the wild card race in the AFC West with only one game behind the Chiefs who are struggling. I mean, yeah, they're putting up numbers, but they're not winning. Um, their, their players and their key playmakers are doing what they're supposed to do, but their defense isn't holding them up. So the, the, the Chiefs can go and score 35 points, but their defense is going to let up 36. So uh, it comes down to the Chiefs' defense and who will win that division. Actually, Gruden has really gotten this Raiders team in a good place, especially since they were supposed to have a bad season. They're over 500. They're playing well. Derek Carr looks like a good quarterback again, like he was before he had that leg injury and then came back. So I think, like the Vikings, they're another borderline team. I agree with you. Uh, The Raiders have been impressive to me, at least. I thought they were going to do a lot worse. Um... And I think, I don't know, against the Chiefs, the Chiefs, like you said, the Chiefs' defense is so is so bad. Well, it's not like so bad, but like they're going to give up more points than they score, possibly. Yeah. And I think that's I think, what happened in all the games that they lost. Their defense has let up too many points. The offense has played well without Mahomes, without Tariq Hill. 
and without LaShawn McCoy. And then they come back, and defense is, you know, like I said, you're going to score 35, but your defense is going to let up 36 points. You're not going to win that way. Well, let's see. They're – Let's see their next, the rest of their schedule. Um, they play Cincinnati, then the Jets, then the Chiefs, then Tennessee, Jacksonville, the Rams, and Denver. I think they're good. I think they're good to win at least, at least five of those games. And you're talking about the uh, Raiders, right? Yeah, I think okay. they. I think they could beat the Chiefs. I think they could beat the Jets, Cincinnati. And maybe even Tennessee or Denver. Yeah. And then in the meantime, you have the Chiefs are going to play the Chargers, who are struggling this season on the defensive side, the offensive side, everywhere that you can uh, think on the football team. And then they play actually a divisional match, which would be our game of the week, um, December the 1st. Chargers versus, I mean, excuse me, the Raiders versus the Chiefs. And then they're going to go play the, the Patriots. They're going to finish out playing Chicago. Denver and the Chargers. So I think they have a good chance to win, you know, four or five of those games as well. So it's really going to come down to who wins their games, you know, who capitalizes on this race as far as the AFC uh, goes, you know, there for the Chiefs. And uh, excuse me, that, that game won't be a divisional. It will be actually just a conference game, but it will just determine, you know, who's going to hold it there. But then you have to keep in mind that the Ravens are out there. So, you know, if the Ravens keep playing it the way they are, I don't really think it's a chance for anybody else in the AFC, including the Patriots. All right, well, let's go real quick. Seahawks, what do you think? You said earlier something about them. I can't remember, but what do you think? Do you think they're real or what? I think they're ultimately going to fall short simply because Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson has to play well every game. He has to. And Tyler Lockett just got injured with what it appears to be. I can imagine a serious injury. I hope it's not a serious injury. I want to see Tyler Lockett play. He's he's an amazing talent, fun to watch. But I think the Seahawks are going to fall short. I really do. I think the Seahawks are a, a real team. And the fact that Russell Wilson has to play well every game and 10 games in the, into the season, he has played extremely well as he's only thrown two interceptions. Their defense is playing great. Um, Clowney, he's creating a lot of pressure for them. Um, the Griffin boys, they're creating a lot of pressure. They're, they're playing well on their defensive end and playing well in the zone. I think they're a real team. I think they probably will win the NFC um, West as we talked earlier. So I'm going to go with them being a real team. So let's hear your player of the week. My player of the week is Amari Cooper, 11 receptions, 147 yards, and a touchdown, and the 31 points that I needed to get the dub in fantasy this week. Right. Beat me. Great. Yeah. Um, let's go. For a minute, you probably were a little bit nervous as my team was clicking, but you know what? My team is just, it's been really bad this year. I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, but, you know, it's always next year. Let's see who wins this championship. All right. Player of the week, opposite side of the guy who played your guy, Dalvin Cook, 183 yards from scrimmage and a win to keep them in the wild card race. Dalvin's nasty, man. He's nasty. Yeah, he is. 
All right, moving forward, guys. Here we have the NBA news. Gordon Hayward out with a broken hand. Will miss six weeks. I think that this injury will somehow, once he heals up, because you're not really allowed to trade guys when they're injured because they won't pass the physical. But I think that Webb said this before. He could see Gordon Hayward being traded out of Boston. And um, I think that's what will happen once he comes back from his injury. Kyle Lowry, he's out with a broken thumb, will miss two weeks. Deion Waiters suspended 10 games without pay for overindulging in edibles and then uh, complain of a panic attack on the team plane. So that's the news. You got anything else you want to add to that, Webb? Oh, yeah. The Spurs just retired uh, Tony Parker's jersey, and that completes the uh, the big threes immortalization in Spurs history. Yeah, they did that last night. It was a great, um, it was a great thing they did for Tony. He, he's done so well for them and their organization played phenomenal throughout his whole career with him. Uh, came into the league really young, 19 years old, learned from the best and just kept that thing going there. All right, NBA Pick'em tonight, Pistons versus the Heat, and I believe Derrick Rose is out with an apparent injury as well. And I hope and it's Blake not Griffin's too. out. Blake Griffin's, Blake Griffin's out as well. Okay, and actually, um, I remember Derrick Rose's injury being hamstring, so I'm glad it's not like the knee or the ankle because he's been playing really good. Who you got anyways? I can't take the Pistons. Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin not playing? can't take them. It'd be really silly to take the Pistons in that matchup. These Heat, they got the young boys. They like to run. They got some high. They got Derrick Jones, who's an extreme high flyer over there. He's very entertaining to watch. Tyler Hero, not scared to go get a bucket. Um, I really like that Heat team to be so young and competitive the way that they are. What about the Lakers versus the Suns tonight? The Lakers versus the Suns? Yep. I'm a t- Honest, believe it or not, I'm going to take the Suns. They've they were, they've been hot. They've been off to a hot, hot start. They've been winning. I hope they keep winning. Yeah, the, the Suns have been hot, and I don't really think that there's a player right now on the Pistons, or excuse me, the Lakers, that can guard Devin Booker. I mean, LeBron probably could, but uh, it'd be a tough matchup for him because, you know, he's quick. He's a quick guy. Um, and he can get buckets, but I can't go against my team. I'm gonna have to go with the Lakers. Understandable. Clippers versus the Rockets, and I believe Paul George will be back for this matchup. No, he'll be back for the matchup against the Pelicans. But the Clippers versus the Rockets without Paul George. I'm gonna take the Rockets, although they've been they've been struggling a little bit. I think they're still a good team. I like Russ. I like James Harden volume score I'm going to take the Rockets I think the Rockets their struggle on defense is not going to help them against this matchup with the Clippers so I'm going to take the Clippers uh, for this matchup they have to get it together on defense they have pieces that can play but I feel like Russ has been exposed on the Rockets team now think about this when I say exposed when he played for OKC he played with um Andre Robertson, who's a who was a premier defender before he got hurt. Um, then you added in Paul George, 
you added in uh, Steven Adams. These guys who play defense, Jeremy Grant, these guys who are long and play defense and create turnovers and pressure. And it seems like Russ was just as in a good defender. But you see him in, in the Rockets, in their system, and everybody who goes over, you know, to that system, their defense is not that good. And that's what I mean, like, Russ's defense is not that great. James Harden is not a really a good defender either. So their best defenders is P.J. Tucker and Capella. And they have to get better perimeter defenders in order to compete and, and win on a nightly basis. Because their scoring is not going to do it. I mean, we've seen them put up 100-plus points on teams and take a L because they don't play defense. I mean, their scoring did get them to the Western Conference Finals. And their scoring did get them beat. Or, or, or their scoring, their their lack of defense did get them beat as well. So, that, I mean, what, what they say, you know, defense wins championships. Offense sells tickets. That's where it's at. The Nets versus the Nuggets. Honestly, the Nets haven't been as good as I thought they were going to be this year. Um, Jokic is playing well as expected. But nevertheless, I got to go with my man Kyrie. I'm taking the Nets. I like the Nuggets in this matchup. The Nets, I really didn't expect too much um, from them without KD. But I think that the Nuggets is a, are the more favorable matchup. Man, the Joker, man, he's a bad cat. Then you got the two guards there who can go get a bucket. Paul Millsap is playing well, as, um, and they're just a good, a good team that's gluing together. They had a good run last year, and they are building off that chemistry that they already have established. So I'm going to take the Nuggets. All right, well, so before we close, you got anything you want to say? Um, no, I'm good. We can wrap it up. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. We'll be back on Friday. You already know how to get in contact with us, but I'm going to remind you again, anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message or on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW on the website at bymsports.com on Instagram at bymsports, bym underscore sports. If you want to get in touch with us, tap in, let us know your questions. Let us know what you think about this episode and we'll catch you guys on Friday. Have a great week.